welcome to Roll with Adventure, a Dungeons and Dragons 5th edition podcast that transports you through the magic of imagination from our world to the far off world of Ibris, a land full of heroes and villains, the evil and the divine, monsters and miracles, and of course, magic. We are delighted to bring you this adventure from our imaginations to your ears. If you like what you hear, please subscribe for future episodes and follow us on social media. If you want to learn more about us and this podcast, please visit us at rollwithadventure.com. And now, let's listen as our heroes roll with adventure. Hello and welcome to episode 5 of Roll With Adventure's flagship campaign of Shadows and Bliss. My name is Cass, and I'm the Dungeon Master for this ragtag band of heroes. Today, our journey into this tale of adventure, intrigue, secrets, and magic across the world of Ibris continues. Now, this episode, our heroes are in the small city of Dwemer Hollow. And Jovan and Melian are approaching Jasper Quent's storefront to obtain a weapon as civilians, before hoping to meet back up with Kawari and Faileth in Frost Folly at the house on Sapphire Lane. Before we dive right into tonight's episode, let's meet our band of heroes. To decide the order of introduction, let's roll player initiative, not character. And remember here, we roll with adventure. For those listeners unfamiliar with player initiative, you roll a d20, and depending on how dexterous you have been, you add a plus two for fantastically dexterous moves, or an up to minus two for the not the most dexterous of moments. So, how have each of our players been this past week? Well, I, because I have a truck, and I don't have a trunk, I, um, when I'm doing multiple stops, I put things in the cab of the truck. And yesterday I went and I got um, a bunch of different things. And when I got home, the load had shifted in the cab a little bit towards the door and I hadn't noticed. And when I opened the door, things fell out on me. And not only did I not stop them from falling out of the truck, but I dropped them on my foot. So I will take the minus two. My fine motor skills are on point today. I made a three foot long Play-Doh braid chain Mm. that did break. And I'm very proud of that. The so I think I will break. take a plus one. It did not break. I was able to lift it and hand it to the three-year-old who wanted it. And she is very impressed with my skills that I spent 20 minutes on and then promptly smushed it. And it was really fun for her. So I would take that as a win. Excellent. Uh, my week has been uh, fairly dull. But yesterday I did witness my younger sister stumble over her feet and turn it into a smooth somersault without even breaking her stride. And I feel just basking in that moment, uh, gives me a plus one. That's amazing. I'm going to take a minus one because uh, just recently my four-year-old niece handed me three objects and said, Uncle Ryan, you can juggle, right? And I was like, yeah, of course I can. She said, well, then juggle these things. And then I managed to spend five minutes just failing utterly at juggling um, <laughs> and having things bounce off the ceiling, my face, uh, her face, you know, just... Uh, an utterly miserable job of juggling, so I'm going to take that penalty. Wildly entertained. Uh, 
No, she really wanted the juggling. Oh. She was like, Uncle Brian, yeah, I thought you said you could juggle. It's like, I did say that. Uh, it's clearly not proving it. Can you juggle? Yeah. But the thing was, I mean, honestly, in the grand scheme of things, the reason that I couldn't do it is because, A, I haven't practiced juggling in forever. But more importantly, these things were uh, squishier than I expected. So mm. I couldn't catch them. So I'd get all the things in the air. But then mm. they would, like, they'd hit my hand and I either wouldn't close my hand hard enough or I'd close my hand too much because I was expecting more resistance, and the second thing would bounce off my hand. Anyway, it was, mm. uh, it was materials, but I'm, uh, uh, only a poor craftsman blames his materials, so. <laughs> Shall we roll? Go right ahead. Hmm. Twelve. Fourteen. Thirteen. Seventeen. Right. Oh, broke the... Jeez, way to go, David. So we'll start with David, then Sasha, then Brian, and then Allie. All right. Uh, my name is David, and I'm playing Jovan Cooperson, a uh, human scholar who has just teamed up with uh, Melian to rob a guard of everything he owns and ruin his reputation with his peers. He doesn't. Even, he only feels a little bit guilty about it. Hello, I'm Sasha. I play Faileth the half-elven bard who was raised by and talks to ghosts. Faileth, when she was around seven years old, uh, once made friends with a goldfish. She decided that it needed to travel with her, but had not yet realized the concept of goldfish needing water. So she put it in her pouch and was absolutely devastated to discover that Mr. Flippy did not survive the trip. However, it was one of the better dinners she's ever had. I'm Brian. I'm at Mind Over Brian on Twitter. I play Melian Barebone, who appears to be a bearded half-elven young man, and yes, who just teamed up with Jovan to rob a guard of all, all he owned and ruin his reputation. And honestly, by the time we get to this shop, has forgotten all about that guard and his troubles, because he uh, is not guilty in the least. Does not feel guilty in the least, I should say. Because that guard made his own bed. <laughs> Well, no. wait, wait. What about me? Oh yeah. Oops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you gotta let Allie introduce herself, man. Oops. <laughs> Thanks, Cass. Um, my name is Allie. I'm playing Quarry Anakalathi Bostuk Base, a Goliath Paladin, and after many difficult and tense situations. Quarry has learned that sometimes the best approach to teamwork is to ignore what your teammates are doing. Oof. <laughs> Faileth feels completely responsible for that. <laughs> it's so, an important life skill for a paladin. All that said, hopefully you'll all notice that there are just things that you don't bring to Quarry's attention. Faileth will also never learn that. <laughs> I expect that, but I also don't expect uh, Faileth to do anything quite as questionable, or or if if Faileth does something questionable, it's genuinely because Faileth doesn't know better. Oh, Whereas... you underestimate her so severely. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was gonna say, where do you think I got these skills? Well, you see, Faileth looks like she's like five, so Quarry, especially to Quarry, who's so bloody tall um so i think quarry's just never gonna clue in that there is possibly any intention behind any of the bad things that faileth does 
Good. <laughs> Quarry's just going to perpetually be like, no, I must teach Faileth about how that's a bad thing. Oh, yeah, she'll definitely come to terms with not killing people eventually. That'll mm. totally happen. Mm. And it'll be fine. Yes. Anyway, that's me. <laughs> Thank you for letting me introduce myself. I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the, it's fine. It's fine. The way to play that would be rolled off as, uh, and we also today have Ellie, whose name is widely enough known that she needs no introduction. And Ooh. That's... That would have been smooth. Sadly, yeah, the cast didn't that, that think of that. Smooth. Sadly, cast legitimately just started moving on to the next portion of it. Yeah. <laughs> well, now that everyone has introduced themselves, let's get this adventure rolling. And remember, here we roll with adventure. Melian, Yovan. The two of you are down in Dockside. Last session, so a few minutes ago for you, you dropped off that young guard at Buxom Bonnie's and paid them well enough to possibly ruin his life and reputation for ever. And then you took a brief stroll down by the water's edge along the Darkling River, uh, taking note of a few warehouses over top of the river extending out on piers, and others dotting around. And then, weaving your way into one of the smaller side streets, you began to head towards Quent Mercantile, the shop that is owned by Jasper Quent, and the supposed source of all of the new weapons issued to the town guard of Dwemer Hollow. To note, Melian you still look like a guard. Uh, no, I'll duck into an alley and divest myself of those guard clothes and resume my normal appearance. You now look like a half-elf with a scar. What would the two of you like to do? After we get this all sorted out, Melian, you have to promise to teach me your tricks. I have never seen anyone pull it off quite as quickly as you. That is a rare uh, precious all, uh... skill. It's all practice with the... I'll show you some... I'll show you some tips with the eyeliner. It'll make all the difference. Mm. Mm. Never thought about it, but yeah, I suppose the eye's the first thing place look. Right. Um, if it's fine by you, I'd like to stop by Quint and possibly pick up a... a sword from a man himself. Quarry seems to feel there's something nefarious going on with these, and I don't know... If there is, it's possible that there's a difference between what he's giving to the guards and what he's selling to the populace. Now, somebody would have stumbled onto it by now. Maybe we can get some information from the horse's mouth as to his activities. Sounds excellent. So the two of you continue traveling down this street. You pass by Marsh's last cask, one of the few better-off establishments down uh, in Dockside that is owned by Robert Marsh, the youngest son of the Marsh family that Jovan knows owns the orchards to the south of Dwemer Hollow. And next to that, you also pass by a halfling butcher, butcher's shop, and you eventually make your way to a, a building that looks like a converted townhouse. Uh, it looks like the lower levels have been converted into a store of some kind. And above it, it 
is painted the sign, a sign that says Quent Mercantile. Right. So, I realize you're not much of a talker, but when it comes to the stuff in the shop here, you're going to have a better idea of what's what than I do. Weapons have never been my specialty. Ooh, whereas I know lots about weapons. So I'll let you take the lead, and I'll keep an eye out, see if I can notice anything unusual about the place. Certainly. What kind of weapon are you hoping to acquire? Just another sword? If we can get one that's as close as possible to the guard, or the one they're selling to the guards. Uh, Cass, what is it? Just a long, just a straight-up longsword that we have from the the guard. Uh, I think you probably have a short sword. Okay, makes sense. Scrapping in alleyways and whatnot. Oh, I'm not sure that I'm going to be able to sell that I have a, a need for a short another a short sword, but let's try. Yovan's going to take a moment and wait for Melian to go in, and he's going to just in, see if he can inspect the building itself. See if there's anything unusual about it. Okay. Uh, so you, I assume, are using your mason's proficiency? Are you attempting to determine more information about the building from it? Yeah, it mentioned that you could uh, discern a little bit of the, the history of various buildings, I think, if I'm reading this correct. Let me pull it up. But, but yes, uh, using the, the mason's kit. So you can use either history, investigation, or perception with your mason's kit for this. You would use history to sort of identify the date of construction or purpose. Investigation to, say, inspect to like hone in on a specific area you're trying to determine. And more like perception to spot irregularities. Let's go with history, actually. Uh, give me just a moment. Well, that's not too shabby. Uh, 14, 16, and then history is 5, so 21. Okay, so with a 21, the building looks to be maybe about... Oh, sorry, 19. Um, I oh, actually counted my proficiency twice there. Sorry. Uh, the building looks to be about between 80 and 120 years old, uh, at least the foundation of it. The lower section, like the main story of it, or the main floor of it, appears to be have stone walls. And then the upper story appears to have been built on top, perhaps maybe at a later time, out of wood as an addition. Uh, one thing that you, looking at it, the purpose, perhaps this could have been a house that has now been refurbished into this, uh, into a shop more. The windows look smaller than what you'd expect for a shop that perhaps was trying to display items. And construction-wise, it looks like it matches the general construction that you've seen throughout most of the city. So probably constructed by humans. All right. Uh, sorry, what was the lower bound on the age again? I think I said uh, about 80 to 120. Perfect, thank you. One thing that I will note is that you can tell, based off of how the stone comes up, that you think there is probably another layer underneath. There's probably a basement story. Perfect, thanks, guys. Okay, Melian, are you going to step inside Quent Mercantile? Indeed, but uh, beforehand I will do like a quick setup, like push-ups and just like a couple of like arm workouts so that I, I look as swole as possible. <laughs> and then like I'm going to try and bristle as much as, as is barbarianly possible. 
so that essentially the, it looks like there are weapons all over me. Because I have a greatsword on my back, a longsword at my hip, two hand axes also on my hip, and javelins sort of like sticking out to the side, uh, and a shield also sort of hanging off one arm. But I'm not wearing a shirt. <laughs> Just bare-chested. Anyway, yeah. So essentially I'm going to try and look, look like I've... I want to give the impression of someone who does a lot of fighting, which is not wrong. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then I'm going to step in and yell, Shopkeep! Uh, so as you push the door open, and you see the inside of the shop is much like you'd expect a purveyor of weapons and armor. There are boxes filled with swords, you can see spears, you can see bushels of arrows, shields up along walls, other weapons up along walls and sets of armor on mannequin styled uh things uh and you see a yeah yes thank you i've been doing that all day i legitimately had a conversation about consultants today and was trying to remember the word consultation in that conversation so thank you <laughs> yeah, no worries. various suits of armor on armor racks one thing that you do notice quite quickly everything's metal there isn't leather there isn't splint it's all metal plate half plate chain i, w- I don't want to use any of this <laughs> uh. as you uh bark out to the shopkeep um you see that there is a young man with about shoulder-length blonde hair standing behind the till style area, and another young man with blonde hair about shoulder-length who comes walking towards you quite quickly. Welcome to Quent Mercantile! My name is Daniel. How may I help you? And he smiles. Daniel, I require a sword. We have many swords here. What style are you looking for? Well, I require a sword for my young ward. She is about yay high. She is not particularly handy with weapons, so I need something with only a blade on one side, preferably. Uh, I'm thinking something like a short sword. Yes, I think that sounds like an excellent idea. Might I suggest our short swords over here? And he sort of makes a gesture towards... Uh, a couple boxes with short swords sticking up out of them. And... I give him the flattest, most unimpressed look I've ever given anyone in the history of the world and go, are all your swords the same? Why, yes. We pride ourselves here on being able to provide the exact and most perfect of weapons. You'll find that every one of them is uniform and balanced expertly. And then he just smiles at you. I'll stump over to the box and pull one and sort of gauge its weight and balanced. It feels a bit lighter than you'd expect, but it is balanced. Uh, I'm a barbarian, so I, I like grab one at the both ends and then like try and bend it like over my knee a little just to, to get a sense of the flexibility of the steel. I do that thing where you, you hold it out in front of you and then just wh- wave it back and forth to see if it wobbles. <laughs> it's a short sword, so it probably won't wobble a lot, but I sure yeah. do do it. It doesn't appear off. It appears fine. Hmm. Well, Daniel, I'm somewhat accustomed to being told the story of each blade I pick, but if these are all the same, what's to recommend them? You'll find that there is no place that has a better price than Quent Mercantile, and we can assure you that every one of these weapons has been carefully crafted to be duplicates, exact, and the same. Ah, 
Well, how do they hold an edge? How's the edge hold? The edge holds quite nicely. We even sell our own brand of whetstone. I'm sorry, I'm unfamiliar with the term brand. What do you... Do you mark them with some sort of, well, iron? And you see he reaches into one of his pockets and he pulls out a whetstone that on one side actually does have a cue, like, burned into it. And he also produces a, like, handkerchief rag, sort of, that has a cue embroidered into it. As you can see, we take care of our weapons and we ensure the highest of quality. And he smiles at you. Ah, uh, well, I suppose then that this, uh, this will do for my ward. Might I also suggest that you purchase a dagger or two as well? If it is for a <laughs> young ward, they may find that they need them. Ah, uh, I, I intend for her to only use this short blade in the direst of circumstances when I am not around. I think buying daggers is an admission that I intend to be around a lot less than I do, so... Fortunately, while I appreciate your offer, if I had wanted a dagger, Daniel, I would have asked for one. However, I am interested in these whetstones you speak of. He motions and says, We have them over by the till. My co-worker will help you once you have chosen the appropriate weapon. And he smiles at you. I look at him, and then I look over to the other guy. Are they twins? Is this like a, a weird cloning situation? They look similar, but they don't appear to be twins. Okay. Yeah, so I just, I put the one that I've tested back in the bucket and grab a randomly other one. Because you don't want the first one you pick. That's just not how stores work. Um, and then I, is this like the Ikea of weapon stores? Now I can like wander down the aisle. I'll find the whetstones in one place and then the embroidered cloths in another. Exactly. All right. So yeah, I wander through the store uh, slowly, uh, trying to make it look, because I, <laughs> I, I, I think Melian thinks that eventually Yovan is going to come in too. So he's trying to buy, play for time, but he's like, I don't know how much more shopping I can do. So yeah, he, I'm going to wander slowly, sort of browsing the other weapons uh, with no intention of buying them, but I'll like test the spears. Are the spears entirely made of metal? Like even the hafts? The spears and the bows and the arrows, they do have wood, but it seems like in regards to armor and even shields, everything is metal. Hmm. Sure, Yovan will come in once he's done getting a, a feel for the building. Uh, while I'm looking at the shields, I'm gonna... Daniel, I require your assistance again. Daniel will come over to you and say, thank you. How may I help you? How do you adjust for weight on these shields? Uh, the amount of coverage you would get from this one, for example, is not worth making in metal because it is would be too heavy to be wieldy. So explain. Our craftsmen pride themselves in being able to utilize metal to its most exceptional standards and to be able to create anything that can be utilized appropriately. And he smiles at you. Might I heft it to see how it compares to the shield on my arm here? Of course. Please, try any. And he sort of opens his hands wide and says, If you need me again, I will just be helping this other customer. Please, call me over if you do require more assistance. And then he will turn, and he will look straight at Yovan, and he will walk towards Yovan. Welcome to Quent Mercantile. My name is Daniel. How may I help you? Ah, uh, it's just, uh, I've heard of this place, and, uh, well, it's good enough for the guards, so I figure it's good enough for me. I was hoping to speak to some of the minds behind this enterprise. Tell me, are you smiths in-house, or 
he sort of looks at you and he gives you sort of like he cocks his head a bit as if he doesn't understand. You're crafters, uh, the producers of these fine merchandise. Oh no, the proprietor of Quent Mercantile has them brought in. For sure, and that would be uh, Mr. Quent. The proprietor. The proprietor. Would he be uh, a gentleman of note? It's always good to know who you're buying weapons from. This is Quent Mercantile. Mr. Quent, then. Right. Yes, the proprietor. Is this the only place that you sell weapons? Could I find your wares in other cities or up and down the long roads? This is the only location that the proprietor has set up a shop. <laughs> Can I interest you in testing any of these weapons? They have excellent balance and are forged from the finest metals. The finest metals? Where do you mine for? Where do you pull the iron in? Sadly, I cannot inform you of that. Uh, not surprised, but it was worth asking. Are these uh, up from the north or from the south? Or? I can't say I've ever seen wagons coming in with quaint merchandise. The proprietor has them brought in from out of town. Well, aren't you informative? Thank you. Do you have any uh, archery supplies? I, I could use with a, a new crossbow, perhaps. Yes, just over here. And he brings you over to a set of crossbows and barrels of bolts. You can find here light crossbows, hand crossbows, and heavy crossbows. Okay, um, I'll grab one of the hand crossbows and inspect it. Does it seem unusual in any way? It seems... Give me an... How are you inspecting it? I'm um, looking in the, in the, the gaps and, and spaces between where... Is it entirely metal, like everything else, or is there wooden elements? So the bows, I will, bows, the crossbows, and the spears and arrows do have some wood. Okay. This is not entirely made of metal. So I'm mostly inspecting like where the materials join together to see if there's any cracks or gaps or anything hidden from view within the mechanisms. Uh, can you give me an investigation check then? Yeah, probably. Is. Um, not great. Uh, 14. So looking at it, you don't see any cracks or such on the surface. Um, the way that the metal attaches to the wood, it doesn't seem like there's a problem. It doesn't seem deficient. Okay. Uh, how much for one of these then? I've heard that you're the cheapest oh. in all the town. Yes. Well, most hand crossbows are sold for in the range of 75 gold to 100 gold. Here at Quent Mercantile, we can sell them for 50. That is a fairly steep discount. Yes, it is. The proprietor prides himself on being able to provide the most affordable, while still maintaining and assuring quality to for all of his goods. You know, uh, not to, to raise a fuss or anything, but I've heard that the local smiths and whatnot all along Maker's March, they're not too keen about these products. They haven't been giving you any trouble, have they? I personally have had no trouble with any of the local smiths. I have heard that they are quite a rowdy bunch, and he smiles at you. <laughs> That's menacing. All right. Um, very well. Looks to be well enough made. Perhaps uh, perhaps I'll stop by one of these days. Pick one of these up. These roads, you know, they can be dangerous. I'm sure they can. Please stop by another time. If you require any further assistance, or you do find an item that you wish to purchase, please just take it, and my companion will help you. 
and he points to the other young man with blonde, shoulder-length hair that looks similar, standing behind the sort of, like, till area. And then he sort of wanders off and starts to polish a piece. Jovan will uh, nod, put down the equipment, and exit as quickly as he can without making a scene. How does the shield measure up? So the shield measures up. It's strangely lighter than you would expect. You'd expect it to be heavier, but it's mm-hmm. not. And like when you're tapping it, it doesn't sound like it's hollow either. And it doesn't seem thinner either. Mm. And it looks like it's just made of iron. I can't afford a shield to you. I don't have that much gold. So I hang the shield back up and then I go to purchase my short sword and branded whetstone and cloth. So you approach, and as you approach the till, the young man with shoulder-length blonde hair looks up at you, his eyes going slightly wide, and he says, Thank you for shopping here at Quent Mercantile. My name is Danny. How may I help you? Danny, your compatriot Daniel out in the aisle has expressed that this is where I would purchase these things, and I dump my armload of weapon and junk onto the counter. Of course. Ah, I see that you are purchasing both a whetstone and a cloth, as well as a weapon. Did you know that we have a promotion going on at this time for such a bundle purchase? I did not, but I will require a sheath. Oh, most assuredly. And he sort of just stops and looks at Daniel, and Daniel walks over with a sheath and places it down. I hope that this sheath is satisfactory for you. As long as it fits the short sword, I, I have no preference as He to displays its... by sheathing the short sword. Excellent. That should be sufficient. In total, with the promotion going on, this will be eight gold. I presume that that's much less than I'm expecting. You're expect so you're expecting a short sword to be ten. Yeah. So my eyebrows go way up, and I'm like, eight gold, you say? Well then. And I very slowly, like, almost as if I'm expecting them to, like, try and trap me somehow, start putting, like, one gold at a time on the counter, counting them very slowly. Three, four, five, six, seven, and eight gold for Thank that you. sword and the sheath and the whetstone and the cloth. As you place the eighth coin down, he pulls out a bag. Uh, it looks like it's just a cloth bag uh, from under the till and places each of your items into it and hands it to you and says, Thank you for shopping at Quent Mercantile. We hope to see you again soon. I take the bag, and then I back out of the store. I'm not even going to... And both of them are just staring at you, smiling, and... Yeah, I'm not going to turn my back on them, because I'm finding this very deeply unsettling. So I'm just going to, like, back out, like, Well, gentlemen, uh, thank you for your time. Uh, Perhaps I will uh, will see you again. Hopefully not too soon. (laughs) Ha ha ha. Would hate to lose my weapons. (laughs) And then I'll (laughs) exit. Uh, Jovan will be waiting for him out the front door, just a little bit shell-shocked. All right, well, that's one mystery solved, and a full dozen more opened up. That was deeply unsettling. It could take a wild guess as to why the guards are buying from him, but 
There is something going on in there. Leon, I lick my ears, but that ain't natural. No, the weapons are oddly light, but yet somehow still of a, of a fairly high quality, it seems. There is no weapon that I have ever passed through my hands that doesn't have something unique to it. But those are so mundane as to be... Yeah. All right, the quicker we get away from this place, the happier I'll be. From your lips to the god's ears. And the two of you uh, quickly extricate yourself from Dockside. You head south, cutting through Scargate. As you do, the two of you, if you're glancing around, you can see some of the graffiti for both the slugs and crabs. That's actually a quick question. Just going by the graffiti about who owns whose turf. Who owns the turf that Quench Shop is in? You'd think that it probably belongs to the crabs, but... When you were surveying the building, you didn't see any tags. And you'd expect that, like, a business would have a tag on it saying, like, we collect from this business, or this business is under our protection. And there wasn't one. Oh, that's interesting. The only other one that you know that doesn't have a tag like that is Marsha's last cask. And that's just because Robert is perhaps one of the most well-liked individuals in the entirety of Dwemer Hollow. Yeah, the, the cask site has their own thing going on. Uh, so, how, are you, how direct are you going to be in heading back home? Personally, uh, unless Melian has um, other ideas, uh, I'd, I'd be going pretty direct. After the little shenanigan we pulled at the guard, I'd rather not be out and about today any more than necessary, especially when he actually comes to. Are you going to go from Dockside and cut through Scargate to get to Frost Folly, or are you going to go on to Maker's March and take it straight down? It'll go along Maker's March. It's okay. safer to be among people. Can I have a flat D20 roll, then, from one of you? You pick. Um, I will leave that to Brian. I've been having some fairly middling rolls. A 17, my flat D20 roll. Thank you. So, as you... You uh, are wandering through Dockside, you're cutting your way towards Maker's March, and you cut a bit through Scargate, uh, going down an old alleyway that is filled with a decent amount of refuse. Can I get perception checks from both of you? Yeah. <clears throat> I rolled a six. Hey, 15 plus... Oh, negative one. Um, 14. Okay. As you are going through the alleyway... You come upon a section of the alleyway in which there's a lot of the stuff, like everything appears to have been like kicked over and sort of piled. So you can either climb over this or sort of like break it up to try and get through it. How quickly was this put together? This does not look like a gang has put a roadblock here to try and jump people. Um, okay, yeah, I'd probably uh, walk over. I might use... Um mage hand to subtly test the places where I'm going to put my feet to see if they shift under a bit of pressure. As your mage hand gets closer to it, your mage hand goes from invisible to visible. I uh, will dismiss the mage hand and, um... Watch out, friend Yovan, there's a hand there! And I draw my sword. Shing! Let's take another route. Aww. <laughs> but well. fair. Hmm. Yovan will, uh, look behind him. If something were to happen when they investigate the boxes, would there be an easy escape route? Uh, so you could go straight, or you could go back. Gotcha. So we're caught right in the middle of an alleyway. Yeah, you're caught in the middle of an alleyway. Yovan will we'll pause and start for a moment. All right, well, actually, let's... 
Hmm. Uh, the hand's mine. Don't worry ah. about it. It's just the fact that we can see it that's strange. And I'll, I'll see if I can move it around to see if I can isolate where the center of the effect is. Maybe it's one of the crates that's something in it's causing this. So when you raise your hand up, it gets about maybe like four or five feet up and turns back to being invisible. There's something in there. You got my back? I shrug my shield back onto my arm and I'm like, to the ends of the earth at this point. I need to return to Faelith. And uh, Yovan will go and see if he can investigate and find the source of the effect. You begin to sort of work your way through the refuse, and you find, uh, as you're pushing some of the stuff aside, you find that something looks wrong on the cobblestone. The cobblestone almost looks melted. Maybe I stop using my hands. (laughs) (laughs) And you note a small leather shoe. I'd look down to the shoe and back to Melian, make sure that he noticed it as well. Uh, I'm watching the other end of the alleyway, no, so gotcha. you'll, you'll have to tap me on the shoulder. Okay. Um, I'll, I'll kick it out towards you, um, and then continue searching through the rubble. Found this in there. Uh, I step back without turning around until I can sort of bend over and use my shield arm to pick up the shoe, and I examine it. Can you give me an investigation check? Sure can. It's only at a negative one, so this will be really... It's a three. <laughs> you found a shoe. Good work, friend Yovan. It's a children's shoe. Yes, it is a child's shoe. Uh, it is very small. Either a child or a halfling. Perhaps a halfling. Uh, too too dainty for a dwarf. Uh, definitely. The flagstones are melted here. Something happened. And I think I might have something to do with the missing children. Well, as you begin to pull things aside you eventually reveal this melted into the cobblestones of this alleyway. Please describe it for our listeners. Melian, there's a, a symbol here. It's a rune with a circle and six lines coming off the bottom, crossing across each other, and a triangle off the top and runes at the end of each line. It, it's fairly complex. It's I don't recognize these symbols. Or actually, before I say that, do I recognize any of these symbols? What languages do you know? That's a fun question to answer. Uh, common, elven, dwarven, giant, and primordial. No. No. You don't. This looks like... This is intentional. There's no way this was accidental. Melian will turn sideways so he can still keep his eye on the end of the... But he'll mm-hmm. cast a glance down at it and go, It appears to be Holmes. Could this have something to do with the locations of our kidnappings? Now that you mention it, you're right. Hmm. Uh, give me a moment. Uh, I'm, I'm going to pull out a, a piece of parchment and... Do I have anything that'll work for this? Do I actually have chalk? Don't tell me the one thing I don't have is chalk. Be... Oh, no, I got chalk. Okay. Um, and I'll do a, a chalk rubbing of it, if it's possible. Uh, for people who can't see it, the runes inside that are sort of scattered about the central rune look like little houses with uh, double walls and a, a little X with a line over it in the center. And then the only one that's different is the central rune, which looks like half a house. I hadn't actually noticed that all the other runes are the same uh, until you pointed it out. That's my bad. Real life perception was uh, not great. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll do a, a chalk rubbing off it and stash the image away and then continue digging. It, is this symbol the source of the effect? It does seem so. It seems to almost be disrupting your magic in a way, or at least twisting it. Does the chalk rubbing have the same effect? If I were to move it if... Uh, The chalk rubbing does not. 
I'm going to um, also just take a moment and, and note in the bottom of the page the location where I found this. Um, any nearby crossroads or landmarks that we have. There's some magic in this. This is... We should let the others know. Um, am I able to find anything else other than the uh, shoe that indicates that there was somebody else underneath all this? Uh, no. As you look and you try to find more, it just seems like things got piled here. I'll grab the shoe as well uh, and then just scramble over it and crawl out to Melian. We need to tell the others about this. There's no way that this is not important. And with that, the two of you head on to Maker's March... You take it like a highway down to the central plaza, and then you start heading towards the Skaw Gate, the western gate. As you get close to Frost Folly, you break off and you head down, winding onto Sapphire Lane, until you come to the house. It appears that Faileth and Quarry have both already arrived here, and are just waiting outside for you. The four of you are back together. Were you able to find what you sought? That and more. We have much to discuss. Faileth and I have uncovered some interesting things that we would like to share. Perhaps we could go inside? I found a weird thing in a doll head. We should discuss it. We found what appeared to be an anti-magic field with a map of the... What I think might be a map of the kidnappings. Quarry is making motions toward Yovan, like, let us get them inside quickly before uh, everybody y- hears. Uh, Yovan will, will nod and, and um, usher everyone inside. Who should go first? Uh, Faileth, I e- brought you a present. E- <gasps> You're dead! What did you bring me? I pull out the short sword that I bought from Quince and I hand it over. Oh, Melian, thank you. Look, look how sharp it is. Oh, and it's got a wee little sheath too. Oh, now it won't cut me legs when I sit down. Oh, thank you, Melian. I love it. And she Indeed. hugs him. There's also a whetstone and a cloth in here, which we will, I will use to teach you to maintain your weapons. But that is not for today. Why would I want my sword to be wet? Ah, well, you see, that's how you maintain an edge. So... If I want my sword to be sharp, I just need to dip it in water. Brilliant. No. I knew there had to be some use for the stuff. You see, having a bath is useful. It is! I take my sword in the bath, it stays sharp! This is brilliant! <laughs> Melian's eyes narrow dangerously as he looks at the <laughs> paladin. I would appreciate if you did not reinforce these fantasies. But you said yourself that the whetstone is how I keep it sharp, so if a wet stone works, wouldn't just straight up water be faster? Quarry raises their hands in kind of like, oh, sorry, gesture. <laughs> I Faileth. was jesting, Faileth. If a wet stone works, would a damp pebble also be a, be a good way to keep it? Faileth. Do I just throw the pebble? What? We will discuss it later. Moist gravel. (laughs) Later. Okay. So as you continue your conversation, you go through the front door and into the house, down the hall, and find yourselves around the table in the kitchen. In the house at Sapphire Lane. Please continue your conversation. Who should go first? Me. I want to go first. If Faileth has I things to say, this. I'm all ears. 
it's not a thing to say, it's a thing to show. Look! And I plop my talisman thingy on the table. Who knows what that is? Well, hopefully you do, Faileth. You just put it on the table. If I knew what it was, I wouldn't have to ask you, would I? I found it in a doll head. That seems remarkably on brand, Faileth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Perhaps a little context would be useful. Why? That's a thing. Well, does does anybody recognize it off the bat? Uh, hey, Cass, does anyone recognize it off the bat? No. No, that's a mystery to me. I've never seen anything quite like it. Nor have I. Well, shoot. But you'll notice there's a brownish, rusty substance on it. And I... Faileth has, has taken some of it off, and you can see there's a blue line running through it, and I don't know... I can't tell what it's made of. I thought... I'm not sure, Yovan, if you think this would be wise, whether or not we can trust Alan, but uh, he does seem to know his business, and I thought perhaps we could bring this to him to see if he could tell what substance it was made out of, or any such thing. There's a few folks... I want to show it to some ghosts first. We can also do that, yes. I think, Faileth, I have a point. Especially since, out of all the folks I might be showing it to, I think ghosts would do the least damage to it in the inspecting. That is an excellent point. Do you think we could find the ghost of a necromancer? You know, if I were to ask anyone that, I would ask you. Quarry? Or Faileth? Uh, no, uh, Faileth, sorry. Uh, that was directed at Faileth. Our resident um, ghost expert. I think we should find a, a necromancer ghost. I think that would be the most helpful. That's no small order, but it's definitely not. Do you want to, to hear my theory? Sure. All cards so, on the table. We found some stuff under the bed. I've left that one for you, Corey. You can tell them all about that. And then we found this. So what I'm thinking is, what this is, is the way the shadow monsters are finding their victims. Like, they're putting this in their their dolls or they're putting it under their bed so that the shadow monsters know oh this is the bed of the kid that I've got a kidnap tonight we're so evil and that's what I think and so I think that if we talk to a necromancer they'll be able to tell us oh yeah this is how we summon our shadow beasts and stuff I think that's what it is it's a fair theory and I have none better there's a few folks I might want to show this to but hmm. I'm wondering if it's possible if the brown rusty substance on this item is blood. I don't know how we would tell. I may have a method for that, but I think we were asking ourselves if we could trust Alan. I'll be honest, I've had no business with a man before today, but if we are going to trust him, I probably should go all in, or not at all. Although I do not know him personally, the fact that he fought or assisted in the fight for so long against the cult of bliss inclines me to think that he wouldn't now be assisting necromancers where once he was helping to kill them he seemed to part on bad terms he was cagey about it he has some secrets this is true this is very true Jovan. I'll leave that judgment in your hands or perhaps we can see how he reacts to these and I'll indicate the, the sword that Faileth has, and the other one that Melian has, assuming that it's out. Yes, we did uncover more information that, for me at least, provides yet another connection between Quent and the missing children. Uh, perhaps it would be useful if I 
if I gave you a brief overview of what Faileth and I learned. Uh, Yovan will lean back in his seat and spread his arms. There were two lines of inquiry. The first one, of course, was into the missing child. The child disappeared last night from her bed. Her window faces the street, and there's no easy way up to the window for someone to climb. The window did not appear to have been damaged in any way that would indicate that somebody had forced their way in from outside. The mother went to bed. Everything seemed normal. She took her daughter's doll with her when she went to bed, and she slept more soundly than she has in some time. In fact, Probably because the doll had a necromancer thing in its head. That is quite possible, Faileth. That's a very interesting theory. Perhaps it is what keeps the parents from noticing the disappearance of their children in the night. And the thing under the bed is to tell the shadows to get them. I'm so sure I'm right about this. I just feel it. You mentioned the thing under the bed a couple times. Ah, uh, yes. So when we investigated, one of the first things that we found was underneath the bed, on the bed itself, was an odd symbol. And Cory will take out of their bag the drawing that they made of the symbol. And they'll spread it out on the table and show everybody. I'm not familiar with any of the the signs here. I don't know what it means, but it was under the child's bed. And um, following this, we found the doll in the mother's bedroom. And the mother was at a loss to understand how the item that Faileth has shared with you came to be inside the doll's head. It was very, very carefully stitched shut, and the mother had not made any repairs to the doll, so somehow someone must have got a hold of it to alter it. A necromancer did that. Well, if they could make the mother sleep all night, there's no reason that they couldn't sneak into the house. But then I don't know why they would bother to alter the doll and not just take the child then. Uh, but, um, now is not the time for theorizing. I, I was giving you a summary. I apologize. Um, the other line of inquiry that we pursued was in relation to the father, because, as Melian had mentioned, he died several months ago, or so we think. But Faileth noticed that despite the fact that he had a wife that he left behind, and apparently they were, uh, childhood sweethearts, uh, and a young daughter... His ghost is nowhere to be seen, which is quite unusual. So suspicious. So suspicious. So we are unsure whether or not the father is truly dead, or if perhaps there is some other reason, if he is dead, that he is being prevented from watching over his family. But the thing that I think continues to link Quent to the children is this. It appears that the father was a gifted woodcarver and carpenter who worked for the guild, and he was one of the men who was working on a house in the noble district, and he was also working on the old Penner estate in Old Town. I don't know if the new house being built in the nobles district has any relation to Quent, but... Perhaps, uh, I don't know how much construction does go on in the Nobles District, so perhaps we can find out what house it was that he was working on when he died. and see if I didn't hear any of that part, because I was sneaking around upstairs. 
So I don't have anything to add to this part. The wife could tell me nothing of her husband's work. He was apparently very private about it. And she couldn't give me the names of any people that she thought would be able to help us with the inquiry. The only real lead that I have is that he worked for the guild, so perhaps there is someone there that knows him. He did have two brothers that I infer worked with her husband, but one of them is, according to her, a, a drunkard, a rather unpleasant fellow, but we may find him in town. The other brother has moved on some ways outside of town. He's not unreachable by any means, but um, not not as readily available as the other. I can work with a drunkard. Uh, this entire time, um, the Oven had picked up the drawing of the symbol and was inspecting it. And after uh, Pori uh, goes quiet, passes it along to Melian. It's same symbol in the center. I bet my leg on it. And uh, after passing it to Melian, he'd pull out the chalk etching he'd done in the uh, the alleyway and toss it onto the table. Alleyway in Skullsgate underneath a pile of rubble along with this tossing the children's boot onto the table. The arrangement of the runes is different and yet the two runes that are used are the same. Melian figures that the one we found was a map of all the missing children. I'd need to have a crack at the map to Say if it's true or not, or has merit, but... What an interesting thought. Speaking of our friend Quint, well, uh, me and Melian swung by on the way here to speak with a couple of the folks running his shop, and there's something going on. Melian will be able to tell you better than I. He spoke with them at length. I got out of there as quickly as I could. Whole thing, something odd going in there. They were very odd. For weapons salesmen, they seem to have no vested interest in my purchasing of their weapons. Also, you may notice, Jovan, that the outside symbols are also the same. Yeah, yes. Both of them. There was there was something odd about the, the men I spoke to in the shop, but I would be hard-pressed to put my finger on just what it was. Some sort of enchantment, or maybe just a very strange onboarding strategy. Training or mischief, I don't know which. Something wasn't right. You mentioned that the the brother of the... Hold. You mentioned that there was no ghosts in the home where you found the symbol, yes? That's correct, I believe, Faileth. Yep! When we stumbled into the symbol in Skarsgate, it interacted with magic in a a strange way. It disrupted it somehow. Perhaps it does the same thing to spirits. Is that something you feel you could test, Faileth? If we showed you where it was? I mean, probably. Depends if I can get any spirits to show up there, or if... There are any already? Faileth, your mother... Yeah, like she'd just walk in because I wanted her to. You'd think she'd be that cooperative. It is my experience that she is always there when I don't want her. Exactly. But the minute you need her for something, oh, she's swanning off. Though I have to admit, she did come through with finding the weird stuff in the missing kid's house. I would ne'er have checked under the bed without her. So thank you, ma'am. Oh, your mother was able to materialize in the house then? Well, never mind. Here's a theory, but... Right. Uh, you mentioned that the, the father had a, a drunkard brother. Yes, his name is Tristan. That's a language I can speak. I might be able to get some information out of him. Sadly, she was not able to tell me where we would likely be able to find him, but 
that is unsurprising. She doesn't strike me as the type that would know of many drinking, whoring establishments that uh, her brother-in-law would frequent. At the mention of drinking and whoring establishments, Melian looks a little guilty uh, and sort of does like the side eye at the oven and then returns to examining the rune stone that he's holding. The oven will return the side eye and shrug his shoulders and say, uh, Faileth, you'll, you'll be glad to know. Um, the one sword we got from Quent Shop and the other we got from a guard, and in the process of acquiring it, uh, we were able to make a few of the folks at Bucks and Bonnie's a little bit richer. Ooh, did you give money to the Bucks and Bonnie ladies? Yeah, yeah. That's Indeed. brilliant. I was hoping we'd get around to that. All worked out quite cleanly. Our friend here oh, is lovely. A, quite the capable individual. Cass, what time of day is it? Late afternoon, probably getting into early evening. So it seems that we have a few leads to pursue. One, bringing the weapons to Alan for his examination. Another, finding out what this mysterious thing is that Faileth has found in the doll. And another would be trying to understand what these symbols mean. Jovan, is there anyone you know uh, in this area well-versed in arcane symbols that may know what these are? Well, well, actually, I suppose there's one. Um, out of the auction house, there's... They call him the appraiser. He well, knows a little bit about everything that goes through it. He's the one that sets the prices, so it's... It's definitely his business to know what things are. It's a bit of a long shot, but I can't think of anyone else. Is... I asked this question of the, uh, the group. Is there any reason that we shouldn't share the uh, the images as we have recorded them. From what crude testing I was able to do, the image of the thing had didn't have the same effect as the thing itself. So uh, The only danger, I suppose, is attracting some uncomfortable attention from the folks that are involved in this whole mess, but honestly, that may be as much of a boon as a danger. Ooh, do I get to be bait now? We might all get to be bait. The sun hasn't set, now it's just a block away. Perhaps we can get some answers before we think up more questions. I would be interested in meeting this Alan in whom you seem to put so much trust, Paladin. Uh, yes, I would most um, assuredly like for you and Faileth to meet him as well. I admit I also do not know him well. And who knows, I may be wrong in my initial assessment, but I will be interested to hear your thoughts, Melian, given your extensive uh, knowledge of weaponry. Indeed. I find it curious that you are so trusting, Paladin. Perhaps too trusting. The safety of my ward depends on your judgment. Melian doesn't trust anybody. I trust everybody. We kind of balance each other out. It depends what you mean by trust. Do I trust that he will not put a knife in my back? Not necessarily. I don't know him so far, but do I trust that he may be able to furnish us with some information if we give him some leads? Well, I I do think that uh, it's possible that he may be useful to us. Perhaps I trust him a bit more than I would otherwise, but out of everyone we've met, he has no motive. His work is his work as things go on. If anything, this business with Quent has been a, a hindrance, not a help to him. If you follow the money, he's at the far other end. That is another mark in his favor. Indeed, but I thought we had established the blacksmiths, however, had some bone to pick with this Quint. Is he not one of the guild members of the blacksmiths? Cast 
Is he actually part of the guild, or is he uh, independent? He is an independent, but is on good terms with the guild. Pretty much, the the guild is composed of craftsmen that don't work with magic. He doesn't necessarily just work with metal. Helen here, he's a bit more on the sidelines. He's not even directly attached to the guild himself, and his skills mean that, while he certainly hasn't helped by Quint's new appearance in town, he perhaps isn't quite as hindered as the rest. Well, I say again, your judgment is uh, the one upon which I am placing the safety of my ward and myself, so consider as you must. What's a ward? It's you. It's a kind of bug. Oh, okay. Again, I think there are different ways to trust people, and I wouldn't necessarily say that we were putting our life in Alan's hands by asking him to furnish us with some further information as we search for answers. But let's all go, and Melian, you can meet him and make an assessment of your own. Indeed. But then he will know our faces. Well, you are welcome to go disguised, I suppose. Maybe you can show me a couple tricks. No, I suppose he knows me. But maybe not your young one. Well, Faelif, shall we disguise ourselves? Yovan would start uh, gathering up the, the bits of paper in the, the shoe, I guess, and stashing them away. So you stash everything away. So you're heading out towards Alan's shop first? Is that what I heard? I think so. Yeah. yeah. Catch him before it closes. So you approach Alan's shop. It is in the same spot as it was before. It has not moved. I feel so worried that that's a thing that you have to say. Uh, Yovan's probably incredibly relieved that it's only his house that seems to be shifting around this district. But Ah, the others have not had the fun that you have with that house yet. We haven't gone upstairs yet. We've been <laughs> waiting for like five episodes for us to go up there. <laughs> I went upstairs. I just found the right door the first time. Accidentally. As you... You approach the shop, uh, and I assume you just, you go in? I mean, we knock first. We're not barbarians. Well, I mean, most of us I don't knock first. I just burst right in. <laughs> so you, you, Melian, you burst right in, and there's a little tinkle as the uh, bell over the door goes off. Uh, and you see a young man with uh, pointed ears. Uh, and sort of a sooty complexion. A complexion that looks like he's certainly works over a fire quite often. Uh, looks up at you. And goes, Are you Alan? Uh, y- yes. I would have you look at some swords. And you might be? Quarry will step forward and say, Alan, you can see that we have returned. I'd like to introduce you to my companions. Did you guys disguise yourselves? No. I'm wearing a cloak. Should I have? Did, oh, I, I, no, I guess did you give Quarry a fake name that Quarry is meant to give to Alan, or? Only if you ask me to. We, we, like, briefly discussed it before time skipping over here. Um. I must have not heard that part. I just want to make sure that I didn't miss anything. I mean, I did suggest that Faileth and I should disguise ourselves, and then the last thing I said before we skipped forward was, Faileth, let's disguise ourselves. Okay, I was definitely not hearing things at that point. <laughs> That's fair. Uh, so I didn't hear any of that. So, do you? would you like to be disguised, and would you like to be using fake names? I'll do it if Million says I should. Yeah, I don't think it matters whether we use fake names or not, because, I mean, 
I don't. Yeah, I. I don't. I'm more worried about being able to be identified by sight than I am them knowing our names. So okay. being called Faleth Melian is not a big deal. Okay, good. Uh, I just don't want to screw anything up. So, Quarry will say, uh, these are my companions, Faleth and Melian, and of course you already know Yovan. Hello! Alan will sort of cock his head to the side and in fluent elvish uh, ask you why you are so far away from home little daughter of the shade I don't really know where my home is she says in uh, accented but still fluent elvish he sort of smiles and says many of us don't anymore no mother never told me I can't tell if it's because she doesn't remember or she doesn't want to so you're not alone out here no she's dead though and he to everyone else, you sort of see his face go from, like, pleasant conversation to, like, sort of, like, surprised expression. Mouth sort of goes into a bit of a hard line. <laughs> uh, will also just speak in, in quite elven is. Um, the business at hand. You wanted the swords. Quarry speaks no elven. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, so are these uh, swords from Quent? Uh, one from the guard, uh, one from Quent shop direct. Good thought to uh, get them both. Might be a difference between them. Will, will somebody tell me when we go back to Common? Faleth. Oh, I, I think we're going back to Common right after. Okay. Oh, no, they he hasn't switched back to Common unless you... Uh, uh, Yovan has uh, immediately after that comment. Okay, then uh, he'll then he will say in Common what he just said. Faleth, show them in your new short sword. Look at this! She pulls it out and does a decent little flourish with it. Melian bought it for me, isn't it nice? Ah. And how much was this? Uh, it's along with the cloth and whetstone and including the sheath was eight gold. He sort of gives you a look and like raises an eyebrow and... I am aware. <laughs> it's light. Wonder. Hmm. He, he sort of, as he inspects it just on the surface and you can see that there's no smith's mark on it, so this isn't being made by just one individual, or if it is, the individual is not wanting their work known, which is quite strange, looking at it, to say. Can I see the one for the, from the guard? Indeed, Melian shrugs his sort of rucksack, which is also over and pulls out the, the guard's sword that he had stashed away along with the guard's uniform. So, uh, Melian, as you produce the sword and you hand it across, and he'll inspect them both, and he's looking back and forth between them, and he's looking concerned and confused, and then he sort of looks up at you and goes, these are identical. Indeed, there's a crate full of them in this shop, if not two. And Melian will have a very dis- like, a, a, a facial expression of extreme distaste. And he'll just look at you, and he'll nod, like, giving you a very knowing nod, like, very confused about this. This is not how these should be. Why don't you come into the back, and I'll run a few... I'll, I'll do a few checks on them. Kawari, will you uh, pull the bolt across the door? Ooh, are we doing sneaky stuff? Of course. Uh, Kawari will pull the bolt, and will kind of, like, glance around to see if their halberd has been sharpened. And is about anywhere? As you are ushered into the back, you do see it leaning up against a wall. Uh, and it does look on a rack. And it does look like it has been sharpened. Okay. It looks like there's uh, even a nick that had been in it has been 
repaired. Ooh. Um, Quarry won't distract from what we're doing. Just, um, was wondering. It, oh, it goes with them everywhere, and they feel a little naked without it. Uh, if your gaze is lingering on it, um, he'll sort of motion and say, and like, as if you can take it. Quarry will take it, look it over, see how beautifully it's been cared for, and say, I really can't thank you enough. This is... This goes everywhere with me to save my life so many times, and I... I see that you have taken very good care of it, and I... I cannot thank you enough for the care you've taken. The fact that you speak so highly of it, that that is thanks enough to me as well. Corey will smile, but not in the creepy way that the <laughs> people at Quent Mercantile do. Quarry and this other guy sitting in the tree. K-I-S-S-I-N-G. Does Valen say that out loud? Oh yeah. <laughs> Quarry will just... Uh, he seems to be busying himself, uh, pulling a couple different things out, um, pulling, finding some small implements and such. Quarry tries to keep a neutral expression and pretend that they can't hear Faileth. Uh, Yovan is, is quietly chuckling to himself in the back, but <laughs> not making a show. Yes, Faileth. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay, I wondered if maybe I didn't say it very loud because Quarry doesn't seem to be able to hear me. But I'm telling her that she's flirting with that guy. Flirting with what guy? That one. The one who's not one of us. Um, Albert. Faila, <laughs> uh, I think perhaps you have misunderstood. Alonzo. <laughs> I have yet to see Quarry flirt with anyone. She smiled at him. Did you see? Does the paladin not smile often? Not like that. <laughs> hmm. Perhaps there is more here than meets the eye. <laughs> oh no. I will keep I an eye out. I see sparks are flying. <laughs> no. Perhaps this explains why they trust him so easily. Maybe. So while Melian and Faileth have this conversation off on one side of the room, <laughs> um... <laughs> Alan has pulled out a couple small mallets, various implements and tools, as well as some stoppered bottles of various liquids. And you can see that he's testing the metal. And, like, he's going through seeing how it reacts to various things. And after about, say, 10, 15 minutes of him going through this, you hearing a steady, like, ting, clonk, chunk every once in a while as he strikes it in a certain way or he turns and looks back at you guys and goes well it's not iron the whole way through most steel isn't smith perhaps give us more explanation and he'll sort of bang it again and you hear a louder sound and then you sort of hear a smaller muffled sound there seems to be a core of something else inside this one is it gold oh yeah would you mind if we uh, cracked one of them open Crack the guards. I was gonna say, don't bring mine, please. I like it. He'll take the guards and he'll put it on the edge of the anvil. And you'll see him sort of reach and he takes a different hammer than all the other ones that he's taken before. And how close are all of you standing to him? <laughs> um, I imagine Quarry's giving him space to work, so probably about 10 feet away. But, you know, with a good view. 
You open started out at the back, but as the experiments continue to get a little more more curious, you probably inch towards no closer than Corey though. Faileth's at his elbow. So Faileth, which would put me right behind her, <laughs> trying to be like, no, back up. What are you, you doing? I see. To no to no avail. He sort of looks at you and says, "You you might want to back up a bit." She takes half a step back. Melian, uh, you notice that the hammer that he's now picked up uh, has is etched with various symbols and circles that look magical in some nature. Fail if you will want to stand further back, closer to Corey. But I can't see from there. Uh, I'll put you on my shoulder. Can I go on my? Sh- yes. Yes, 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 yes. She skips happily back uh, to go on Melian's shoulders. And I'll stand at uh, Corey's side, and I guess combined, we're almost the same height. Your, your head will <laughs> almost be at the same height as Corey's. Hooray! Amazing. Look how tall I am. Uh, so you see him raise the hammer to his lips, and it sounds like he says something very quietly that strains at the edge of your hearing. And then as he pulls the hammer back, you see its head begins to shine and a heat. It glows a bright red. And then he brings it down with a crack against it. And the blade, you see where he strikes it, snaps clean. But it doesn't break off. The crack runs around it and the top section of it seems to almost fall off whatever is sheathed inside. And you see a white, bluish, crystalline substance. Does it, by any chance, look like the vein of blue that runs through the object that Faileth found? Maybe, but not at the same time. Hmm. He sort of looks at it, inspecting it, and then he looks at you guys and goes, It's ice. Ice. How... Uh, is that, how is that possible? It's not cold really? enough. I don't know. Is it magic ice? Excellent question, Fela. Uh, 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 I don't know. Um, I would assume so. Uh, and as you watch before your eyes, it quickly begins to melt in this warm temperature and sort of fall melts into a puddle. Forgive my ignorance of your trade, but... Do not you have to make the weapon quite warm in order to forge it into what you wish it to be? Yes. Hmm. I don't see how they could have... I mean, if it melts at room temperature, how could it possibly be kept solid ice at the temperature they would have needed to make the sword? Well, it's got to be something about the metal in the blade then, right? Ah, interesting. Whatever the casing was. Is there an, a magical enchantment on the inside of the metal, perhaps? It's got to be something like that, right? He sort of lifts it up and starts to look at it. And can I have perception checks from all of you? Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, Ten with a negative one, nine. Fourteen. Seven. Hold on. Oh, I got... Ooh. I got a net 20. So with your perception bonus, what does that bring you to? 21. Puts my nice 14 to shame. Well, the, uh, Faileth, well, the adults seem very focused on trying to look inside the casing of the sword. You notice that the water begins to bubble. It almost looks the like water. it's starting to boil. 
The ice that melted and became the water. Looks like it's almost boiling right before your eyes. He should not watch her be on fire. <laughs> oh, Lord. Everyone, please roll initiative. Wait, what? Oh, good. <gasps> I rolled a nat 20. Not that it... I wish I'd save that for my first attack roll. Uh, four. <laughs> uh, eight. Uh, 17. Oh, sorry. Hold on. Five. I miscalculated my dexterity. <laughs> Melian, uh, you said eight. I did indeed. As Faileth points out that the water has suddenly begun to boil as if it is being heated sudden laughter fills the room insane high pitched and with a sudden burst streaming out of the bubbling and steaming uh, pool of water that has been produced by the sword come shrieking little creatures that begin to shoot out towards you quarry Mm -hmm. uh, you you get to act. You are first in initiative. Okay. How many of them are there? Uh, at the moment, you can't really tell. I would say that the room has become a lightly obscured area, uh, be- and it's being filled with sort of like patchy s- steam. Hmm. Okay, well, Quarry is holding their halberd, so I think that just as a reflexive reaction, they would swing out in the direction of the laughter. Although, how close is this to Alan? Um, this is pretty much, like, at his feet. So if I swing, can I see anything to attack it? I guess is a better question. Uh, you can see that there is something shooting out towards you. Oh, okay. Then I will, um, swing towards the thing that is shooting out towards me. It looks like a small face and claws etched in the steam itself. Kind of weird. Okay. That is a 21 to hit. That hits. Excellent. And that is 7 damage. Excellent. And can I Hunter's Mark? I think that's a bonus action. Uh, that is a bonus action. Uh, you get Hunter's Mark because you're a Vengeance Paladin. Oh, the Vengeance? That is correct. Just oh, I guess I should have done that nice, first. Just because I am nice, would you reflexively have uh, utilized Hunter's Mark and then attacked? Or are you attacking and then using Hunter's Mark? No, I totally should have used Hunter's Mark and then attacked. Sorry, I didn't. I will be better next time, I promise. First combat of the campaign. <laughs> this is the first combat. I am very... I, I am definitely entirely okay with being flexible about this, especially if you guys are forgetting that you have something or would like to change how you did it. So feel free to cast Hunter's Mark first, and you still hit, so uh, roll the extra damage. Um, come from it. I think that for flavor, Quarry probably would have muttered a prayer to Soul to help the aim strike true, or or something in that flavor, marking that particular creature for future hits. Um, and an extra one d six damage. Oh, I rolled a one. Okay. <laughs> Yay! With that, uh, Quarry, your uh, halberd slices into this face and set of claws that are coming at you in the steam, a brief prayer for soul to guide your strike, and the thing sort of, it looks like it reacts, that it quails a bit and that you have struck it, but it seems to be still speeding and diving towards you. Oh dear. 
Faileth, what do you do? Instinctively, Faileth is going to shout, Ah, help! And reach out to a spirit. So I would like to roll on my spirit table. Which is a D12. Uh, so I think that because you are current, that how it works is you use your bardic inspiration die. So yes. right now I think you use a d6. Uh, no, then... ju- this is just to figure out what, which tail I get, I believe. No, no, but uh, for spirit tails, it enhances as your bardic inspiration die gets uh, bigger. So I only have access to up to six right now. Cool. Yes, I think so. Uh, let me just pull up Bard to make sure uh, that looking is at it, correct. And you're probably right. Yeah, using my Bardic Inspiration base, you're right. Yes, you have a D and you have a D6 yeah. at the moment. At level All 5, right. it will change to a D8. Sweet. So I rolled a 6, which is Hero. Excellent. So I can speak the tale of an epic hero and choose a creature I can see within 30 feet of me. The target gains temporary hit points equal to a roll of your bardic inspiration die plus your bard level. While it has these temporary hit points, the target's walking speed increases by 10 feet. However, I do not have to use it immediately. I just have it now. And I retain it until I bestow its effect or I finished a short or long rest. Excellent. Uh, so you reach out, uh, hoping for a spirit, uh, and you actually f- grasp hold of the tale of a spirit local to Dwemer Hollow. The tale of a dwarf that apparently fought against a powerful creature of ice and snow that was defeated approximately 300 years ago. The actual reason that this district is called Frost's Folly. Dun, dun, dun. That could be useful against these ice ghosts. Alright, um, I'm going to hold on to that for the moment. And feeling the tale of Frost's Folly fill my mind, I feel brave and ready to take on this creature. So uh, Faileth will throw a hand out and go, Ew, you're gross! And cast Inflict Wounds. So I will be making a melee spell attack. Inflict Wounds is a melee spell. I think it's a melee spell. It is a melee spell attack. You're currently on Melian's head, uh, shoulders, I think. So I don't know if you can actually reach with your hand. That's is my only thought. It might be on the floor, and I am not. In which case, I will simply cast Vicious Mockery instead. Sounds like a plan. You're not only gross, you're a weird creature that came out of bubbling ice. What the hell are you, you, you lily-livered skullduggery bastard? Um, <laughs> and he needs to make a wisdom saving throw. Melian winces at the clumsy use of invective. <laughs> I'm still learning how to swear. Uh, what is your DC? 15. It does not succeed. Excellent. Then it is going to take three psychic damage, and it has disadvantage on the next attack roll. Good to know. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Uh, as you reach out your hand and say that, uh, and strike it with such an insult that it is hurt, See, you hear more high-pitched laughter coming from within the steam, and you, for anyone that speak primordial, you hear... <laughs> Crap, like, she said something about you, <laughs> 
And Sorry, what was that another... name? Another said something about our what? I do speak primordial, so I know what it's saying. Uh, in a very high-pitched voice, it said something like, "Haha, you crawfoot." It said something. She said something about you, and then just laughed. They clearly do not have a uh, nuanced sense of humor. Uh, and another face with claws shoots out. Um, but this one looks like it's going towards Yovin. Um, as it shoots out, I'm going to yell out in prim- primordial. Crawface, is that you? What kind of a name is that? Crawface, more like smellface. Failure if you could avoid antagonizing them. Yovan does a nine hit you. Alright, so I'm pretty bad at not getting hit, but I'm not that bad. Oh, I had to check. <laughs> I mean, it is the first combat, who knows? Yeah. Man, if I could manage to get an 8 ace, I, how, I suppose with a negative dexterity modifier. And... No, I, anyway, it doesn't hit. It doesn't <laughs> hit. <laughs> the one that was diving towards Kawari, or that started to come out of the, out of the steam in the direction of Kawari, uh, sort of... Uh, as it dodges around and then gets struck by Faileth's insult and then the laughter of its companions uh, sort of turns its head and screams at them and then turn and then turns its head back and a condensed cloud or burst of steam comes out of its mouth. Uh, can I please have Kawari... Um, so who is standing next to Kawari? <laughs> uh, I am, with Faileth on my shoulder. I was also nearby. Are you all clustered together? Apparently. I think we kind of were. Yeah. I think that's okay, the way we, we described were. it. <laughs> um, can you all make a dexterity saving throw? And um, Faileth, I'm sorry, but because you're on Melian's shoulders, can you please make this with disadvantage? What are you talking about? I, I rolled a 22. So oh. if anything, I save her too. Ooh. That's an interesting idea. Let me think about that while I hear what the, how it went for the others. Um, if it helps, um, I'd be happy to use warning and burn a, a trick point to um, to give Faileth a plus three. Yeah, it'd be a plus three. Tell it's blood. I mean, I can't imagine Faileth's dex is bad. Yeah. I got a nat 20. Uh, I got a 13. I got 12. Well, so all of you are able to pull and sort of get your way out of it, uh, but you will still be scalded a little bit on the edges. Will you please all take two fire damage? Since all of you pass. Also, so that you are aware, while this is going on, you can hear Alan going, Ow! Ow! Hot! Ow! Ow! Hot! Ow! Get out of my shop! Mm. And with that, it is Melian's turn. Alright, I put Faleth carefully down. And then I draw my weapon and shrug my shield off of my shoulder. And that's my whole action in this round, I think. Um, isn't item interaction a minor action? Oh, I suppose dropping. Yeah, putting so that down as your my movement, maybe, stick. then? How would you like to flavor it? I mean, I, I, I actually just think that Fa- um, Melian very carefully takes Faleth off his shoulder, puts her sort of out of harm's way, and then turns back to the thing with a sw- and getting his sword and shield out. Like, 
he'll have deliberately been very patient about making sure that uh, Faleth is now out of the direct line of fire. That makes sense, and I will fully take that. With that, uh, you hear a sort of popping sound, and another one of these faces with claws comes shrieking out of the steam. This one is going to be going straight for Melian. And Melian, I think that it is just as you're putting Faileth down that this one goes straight for you, because it flies over your head and hits the ceiling. Oh. There is further popping and boiling and bubbling sounds, and then there is a sudden distinct sort of like crystalline ting sound that happens, and... Can I please have just Melian and Kuwari make a dexterity saving throw this time? 19. Dirty 20. Both of you will take half. Uh, both of you will take one cold damage as small shards of ice suddenly shoot through the air. Mm. And you can see that there is, it looks sort of like a face with hands or face with claws that appears to be made of ice that is on the f- that is down on the floor that has flicked these bolts how much damage just one I'm one cold damage resistant each. to cold so that means i don't i would take half normally but in this case i don't take anything right i think everything breaks down to a minimum of one okay so i think you'll still take one damage that's all right ow <laughs> indeed <laughs> and with that it is Yovin's turn. Um, can I spend my action to figure out what we're up against? I'm guessing by the fact that, speaking primordial um, and main of ice, probably elementals, but uh, would Yovin be able to put that together? Um, give me a... Give me either a nature or an arcana check. All right. But sort of walk me through your thought process. Well, Yovin uh, speaks primordial, so he would have picked that up when... Uh, recognized that when Crawford was being yelled at. It's, prob- it's obviously something magical um, that's in there, because normally you can't fit four or five people-sized ghosts inside of a sword. I- I- I'm going on a limb, that's probably magical. And out of the various magical beings that speak primordial, elementals seem pretty high on that list. It really comes down to if Yovan would have had the context to even like know or think about primordials or think about elementals as something you would run into in the city. Which comes down to the world a bit, I guess? Give me a uh, yeah, g- give me a roll. You pick nature or arcana. I'll flavor the information differently depending on what you pick. Uh, I'll go with arcana. Same modifier either way. 14 plus 3, 17. Uh, heck, I'll burn a- another trick point. Add another d4 to that. Give me one. Uh, 3. So 20. Dirty 20. Nice. Okay. So, taking a moment to look at them. If the... If the steam would clear, you might be able to get a bit more. You think they might have small wings and just maybe a smaller body that's composed also of steam, so it's blending in. You could definitely assume that these might be small little elementals of some kind that likely have been bound and forced into confinement or servitude. Would he have any idea of how to deal with elementals? Like, hit it with fire or... (laughs) So, looking at these ones and the way they're laughing and such, you think that these must be pretty minor elementals. Okay. These don't look like, these don't seem like something that would be super dangerous, especially to people that have a bit more skill. Okay. 
Um, and that is going to be... Oh, actually, a weapon scattered on the shop. Are there any knives or um, cord staves or um, crossbows? Uh, back here in the steam, you can't really see that, that right. well. Uh, Fair enough. If you'd like to try and look for one, you can attempt, You can do a perception check next turn. Um, yep, but that's right. But it will be at disadvantage because it is a lightly obscured area. That's no worries. Okay. And with that, we are back to the top of the initiative with Kuari. You can hear Alan still in the background, um, sort of perhaps swinging, trying to hit things grabbing his tools, trying to stop whatever is going on, just a bit on the other side of the steam. Quarry will call some words of encouragement to Alan and say something like, Hang in there, Alan. We're we're, we're dealing with it. And we'll swing again at... There's still... There, you said there was one near Quarry's feet that sent the ice shards at us? Uh, it's about... it. This one uh, seems like it is... Like, it probably is right behind where Alan was before, as if this one has come out of that puddle that mm, was creating okay. all the steam. And you can sort of see its shape. It's a bit farther away than, say, the one that uh, tried to attack you. Oh, okay, so sorry, I, was, I guess I was imagining it wrong. So I will just attack the one that I have Hunter's Mark on. Oh, dear. That is a uh, 14. That will hit. <gasps> Yay! And I'm going to use Divine Smite. So when I hit a creature with a melee attack, I expend a spell slot for 2d8 radiant damage. But this is not a fiend or undead, so there's no additional special damage. So I'm going to roll the halberd damage first, which is 14. And then the hunter's mark is an additional 2, so that's 16. And then, what did I say it was? 2d8 radiant damage? 6. Shoot, what did I say the other number was? Did I say it was 16? 16 is the last number I heard. Okay. Uh, 16 plus 6 is 22. Okay. Is that right? Uh, so you are delivering a death blow here. Yay! To describe this. It's in front of me with its fangs and claws and whatnot out. Mm-hmm. So Cory will swing down from the top with the halberd in a sort of, like, attempt to cleave the steam in two... And as the halberd touches the steam, you can see a bit of a golden sparkle coming off the halberd, which I think probably catches in the steam rather prettily, in my imagination anyway. And the halberd goes right through it. I don't know exactly how corporeal it is, so I'm not sure quite how to describe it. So as the blade of the halberd cuts through this creature composed of steam, you see the two halves of it sort of eddy and sort of almost bend away as they're breaking and then pull together and there is a brief and small concussion mm. as it explodes in a death burst. Oh, how unpleasant. Can I have... Because I think now Melian and uh, Kwari are the only two that are up front mm. at the moment. Can I have... Uh, both of you make another dexterity saving throw, please. Fifteen. A twenty-one this time. Nice. Very well on these dex saving throws. <laughs> uh, will both of you take uh, three fire damage? That is halved. Oh, wow. Not nice. Interesting. Quarry will switch their hunter's mark to whichever the next closest one is. I imagine the one that hit with the ice shards. That is possible. It's possible for me to do that, or it's possible yep. that, that one is closest? 
there is the there is another one that tried to strike Melian and missed him and is above him. The ice shard one is close by though. Actually, can I ask, was Alan wearing anything protective? He had his leather apron on. Okay. Quarry would try to move, I guess, closer to Alan and attack whatever is between the two of them. Okay. Uh, so are you going to try and move this turn or... Yes, I will move this turn. Okay. So I guess it's, then you would probably be moving to engage with the, the smaller uh, icy one that is on the floor. Okay. And I assume you'll switch your hunter's mark to them? Yep, that's right. Okay. Faileth, it is your turn. Melian put you down, out of the way, behind him. Alright. I think that I will... Looks like no one's super hurt yet. People have taken some damage. Is anyone feeling really like they need some healing? Oh no, I'm good. I think everyone's in pretty decent shape, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, then I'm going to leap out from behind Melian and try a chill touch. Say, let's see how you like get nice back, you wee bastards. And a ghostly skeletal hand is appears before me and reaches out, touching it chillingly. Uh, are you going to touch one of the, the icy one that Quarry is about to engage, or are you going to try and, say, grab the one, hit the one that tried to attack Melian, or the one that tried to attack uh, Yofa? I'm going after the one that did fire damage. The only one that has currently actually hurt anyone, I think, is dead. Okay, <laughs> and then I'll go for the one near Melian, because I gotta protect my boy. Okay. Uh, is that a spell attack, or do I need to it make a It is indeed a, a spell attack, so here we go. Does a 21 hit? Oh, yes. Excellent. It is going to take 1d8 necrotic damage. <laughs> oh, that's eight. Take that death finger, you stupid glory asshole. It's eight necrotic damage. The one that attacked Melian is going to, like, uh, you, you see as your chilling, as your bony, chilling hand of death sort of, like, reaches out and lightly brushes against it that some of the steam sort of even just like breaks apart and a little bit of its body looks less there than it was before. That's what you get miss with my friends. To be exact I think that for this cantrip you probably are even almost reaching out with say like a manifestation of your mother's hand. Oh definitely. Mum's got such beautiful delicate fingers. That's like a desiccated hand. (laughs) You get it, Mum. Surrounded you by sure dark, not to mess with us. energy. <laughs> okay. Mum, you're beautiful. I love you. Uh, and with that, the one that you just attacked wobbles a bit where it is, and then we'll try and like dive bomb down at Melian's head, and let's see if it misses or not. Oh, Melian, I don't even need to ask if that misses. I am apparently rolling appallingly tonight. Or I'm rolling fantastically for you guys. So good. And with that, Melian, it is your turn. Uh, then I smite that one with my longsword. With my plain, regular longsword with no enchantments on it. You're going to strike it with your barbarian strength? Indeed. Does a 16 hit it? Why, yes, a 16 does. Well, then, it will take 8 slashing damage from my longsword. It is not looking nice. It is not looking pretty. And it sort of just like puts its hand against its uh, against the cut that you did, and sort of looks at you almost with a pained expression. 
And then I'm going to sidestep so that I'm between it and Phelan. Okay. Still. You're able to do that without leaving its, uh, without incurring an opportunity attack. Awesome. Just because of the close quarters. With that, the one that attempted to attack uh, Jovan is going to atta- attempt to attack him again. Uh, and Jovan does a 15 hit. Does, yes. Okay, so its claws, uh, you'll take four slashing damage as its claws cut into you. And the cuts burn uh, and scald, uh, dealing an additional two fire damage. We very much enjoy how you said the word burn there. Burn. <laughs> very effective. Yovan uh, tries to duck under it as it's hopping. It gets raked across the back as he does. Uh, you'll see the steam has been almost tinged red where its claws have actually punctured you, and it licks one of them and just starts laughing. <laughs> <laughs> These things are creepy. I find this laughter greatly distressing. <laughs> yes. Uh, and uh, with that, um, Quarry, you have engaged the cold, this icy one, and it is going to attack you. Oh, you've good. gotten close enough to it. Better me um, than Alan. Does a 17 hit you? It does not. Its attack will rake against your armor. You see where it uh, rake, like where its attack bounces off. It leaves claw marks uh, that sort of radiate cold, which mm. then quickly melt in the steam. Hmm. Weird. Jovan, it is your turn. Um, I think he's decided it's time to find a weapon. <laughs> um, so a uh, hand crossbow would be ideal but um, what what is there to work with around here uh, I'm rolling perception or investigation give me a perception check uh, and it, I'm, I do apologize but because of this is a lightly obscured area it will be at disadvantage no sweat. friend Jovan do you have no weapon? I didn't expect to be uh, coming in for a scrap uh, so, so a 9 and a 17 so 8 because you yell that out that you didn't expect and, and that you don't have a weapon, you hear Alan yell, On the table! Back right! I will use a bonus action to have my hand go grab something off the table and bring it to me. How heavy can your hand... Is, is, uh, is your hand able to pick up? I believe it's five pounds, but let me just take a look. Can you carry the same amount of weight as a standard mage hand? Um, if it would care to load. Any moment now. There we go. Oh, spoke too soon. Are you kidding me? Uh, Mage Hand can hold up to 10 pounds. There you go. Yeah, 10 pounds. It comes back with a great club. (laughs) You know what? It's fine. My proficiency bonus is like two. I can use a great club. It's fine. Um, Object interaction. He grabs a great club and throws up against the the spirit. What proficiencies do you have? Daggers, quartz, uh, quarter staves, uh, hand crossbows, and nets. Excellent. Okay. <laughs> it's fine. You just don't get your proficiency bonus. Here's the pitch. <laughs> uh, that's my turn. Okay. You are holding a ornately carved club that almost looks like it was perhaps a root at one point that is like wrapped around like a, a hunk of rock and then has been carved delicately. Ah, another problem occurs. This is not a finesse club, is it, by chance? Oh, gosh, no. <laughs> it is not. This requires two-handed, and it will be bludgeoning damage. It will be 1d8 bludgeoning damage. No sweat. Also, your hand was barely able to pick it up. Oh, no. <laughs> no problem. Do you want my short sword? <laughs> uh, it's, it's an anime return. Um, it was action to, to do the search. 
okay. and with that, we'll hop to back to Kawari. Ah, okay. Kawari is going to do the same thing as last time, so they will swing downward with their halberd, and this time that is a dirty 20, and so that, um, I'm sensing that my mundane weapon is not as effective as it could be, so I will do Divine Smite again, but that is the last time that I can do it. That is going to be 13 from the halberd, plus 5 from Hunter's Mark, so that's 18. And then the Divine Smite is going to be another 13. I said 18, I think. So, what is that, 31? Is that? That can't be right. 18 plus 13? Yes. Is, yes, that is correct. That's a thing that Quarry does. You have... Uh, delivered another, the second death blow mm. of this combat. Please describe. Um, it will have similar repercussions. <laughs> Great. Um, I imagine it much the same as the other one. The quarry swings through the air towards the whatever this thing is, and when the halberd touches it, it lets off a sort of s- a sparkle of light or little sparkles of light. Kind of like, uh, the way I imagine it is when sunlight catches on um, choppy water, you know, all those like little flecks of light, and it slices cleanly through because it is so beautifully sharpened by Alan. So as this cleaves through this small, tiny creature of ice, you see its body sort of cracks and the light refracts throughout it. And then it's almost as if every single edge of it points outwards. Ooh. And it detonates. <laughs> uh, it was please so pretty. Make a dexterity saving throw. Oh no, that's a three. Just Quarry? Uh, for this one, because Quarry has engaged it such so closely, and this one is a bit farther away from you, Melian, you are luckily out of it. Uh, but uh, I have advantage not. on these anyway, so. Uh, but Alan did succeed. Uh, so Ooh, good. You are, that is good for you guys. Oh, that is very good for you guys. Um, Quarry, you will take. Eight uh, slashing damage as chunks of ice just perfectly winnow their way through your into your armor in spots, okay. uh, and some will pepper Alan's back with, as he oh. deals with whatever he is dealing with. Seeing as it's dead, I need to switch my hunter's mark again. What is the? How many of them are left? You know of two behind you, but Alan does seem to be repeatedly trying to hit something on, like, the table in front of him. Quarry will move up. Wait, can I see what's on the table? At the moment, Alan is blocking it. Okay. Quarry will move up to, I guess, try to engage with whatever is at the table. Okay. Uh, And then once you are able to see it, you will... Um, engage your hunter's mark on it. If it is a thing that I can do that with, then yes, I will. It looks like another one of these creatures made of steam, but uh, something about it it seems a bit different. It seems shimmery and sort of blurred, Hmm. as if, like, as it's moving, it sort of leaves behind a little trail of where it was, but it also seems to be in front of where it was, and Hmm. every time Alan goes to strike it, it's seemingly not where he hits it. Okay. Interesting. And the thing is just laughing. It is killing itself laughing. Oh dear. I guess that's the end of my turn. And with that, it is Phaelith's turn. She is distracted by the one laughing at Kawari, 
She looks over and goes, Aw, you think you're so funny, don't you, you little shite? And she's gonna, she'll touch it. I guess Kawari is tall enough. Just see how much you like my man. <laughs> sure, let's go for it. Woohoo, uh, 24. For this, um, sadly, you must roll with disadvantage. Oh, that's so sad. How come? Uh, because this creature is under the effects of the spell Blur. Ah. Okay, uh, so 24 is with disadvantage. <laughs> I rolled a 17 and a 19, plus 7. <laughs> okay, yep, you hit. Uh, so my mother's ghastly hand once more reaches forth, and I do 7 necrotic damage. Jerk. <laughs> nice. Excellent, okay. And with that, uh, the one that was attacking uh, Melian is going to, again, try and strike at his head. And it misses. So, uh, Melian, it is your turn. I strike it with my sword again, hopefully. A 14 to hit. That does hit. Well then, uh, it will take six points of slashing damage. And as you cut into it, uh, you are going to deliver the death blow. Um, Please describe so- this thing is a little, like, steam golem type deal? Yeah, it's a, a little creature that appears to be composed of steam that is holding itself together in a fashion. That looks like it has uh, a fanged maw and vicious little claws. Excellent. In which case, I stab the sword forward, catch it right in where its little jaw is, and then, since it's sort of on my blade, I spin it in my hand like you would like a tennis racket or whatever. Um, so that the the blade sort of whips into a fan pattern and it just disperses into the air around it in the sort of poof of steam. <gasps> give me a because I, I like how that I like that. Uh, give me a luck check to see if this disperses it and stops it from being able to complete it to initiate its death burst. Uh, that is a twelve on the. I assumed that was just a straight up d twenty. Yeah, just a flat d twenty. Um, yeah, so twelve. That will succeed, and you sort of spin your blade fast enough that it can't pull itself together to, in that last moment, give off a concussive burst. Awesome. Nice creativity. That went even better than I'd hoped. (laughs) And then the one that has successfully attacked Jovan is going to uh, attempt to successfully attack him again, I hope. Maybe. Jovan does a 16 hit. Oh, sorry. Uh, it's me. Uh, yes, it absolutely does. Give me the good news. No sweat. I'm fine. Uh, you will take one slashing damage and three fire damage as the claws rake across you again. All right. And with that, it is your turn. So, very important question. Um, did the brief stop we made uh, at the house before coming here count as a short rest? There's a difference between having one trick point and we having four trick points. I don't think you guys took a short rest. I think you guys, um, if you wanted to take a short rest, um, we should have said We should have talked about it. We probably should have said something, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's no Versus I feel like you guys got in, dispersed your information, went, oh, if we want to act on this, we should go before it gets dark, and then immediately got up and left. Eh, it's no sweat. So I'm going to go in and swing. I have a strength of 10 and a proficiency. Let's see how this goes. So 13, and that's close enough that I will spend my last trick point to add a d4 to that. And that's a 4, so 17. Does that hit? That hits. And you said it was a d8? Yeah, it is a d8. 
plus your strength. So Yovin goes for a hugely exaggerated overhand swing, and then just as he starts to bring it down, uh, swings his foot out and, and transitions into a baseball swing across the, <laughs> the midsection of it, uh, doing six damage. Okay, I like the description of that. Can you give me a luck check to see if you actually, like, whack this away because of how small it is? Sure. Uh, nada. That would be a three. <laughs> okay. Oh, he did better with the great club than he had any right to. I'll take this. <laughs> <laughs> That was, uh, did you say six damage or seven damage? Uh, six damage. Uh, flat D8. Nice. So you uh, swing it and you hit it and you hear it's it's laughing at you and then it's like, Oh, why did you do that? <laughs> in, in primordial. And because you suck. Then it viciously looks at you. Meanwhile, Quarry, the one that is in front of you and Alan is sort of like dancing back and forth, sort of pauses for a moment and makes a lewd gesture. And uh, before my turn ends, I'm going to use the bonus action to have my hand bring something else from the table. Anything else? (laughs) Uh, Can you give me another luck check? Yeah, sure. Let's see what your hand grabs this time. It brings back a quarterstaff. Hey, perfect. And that's me. Excellent. So as this creature in front of you and Alan Quarry makes this lewd motion, and it then sort of like kicks up one of the small implements on Alan's table towards uh, Alan's head. Oh dear. And it stubs its toe on it. If it has a toe made out of steam, <laughs> why did they're it try to great, case huh? it? No, they really aren't. <laughs> And they're not that strong either. Uh, and with that, uh, we will go back to you, Quarry. Talk of the round. Their most alarming weapon is their laugh. Uh, but now that I've said that, I was probably going like, to kill me or something. Um, <laughs> so uh, I have no more spell slots, so I, I can't do any more magical things. So I'm just going to attack whatever is on the table with my halberd. I'm going to carefully swing so that I uh, don't hit Alan, who I hope is having the sense to step back a little bit. Oh, uh, that is a ten. That hits. Oh, okay. <laughs> no, wait. No, no, you can't. No, no, take no, no, backsies. It, no, take it, backsies. Remember that you are rolling it with disadvantage. Oh. Yeah. That is a twenty-one. It, it's a ten. Uh, mm-hmm. So you hit. Yay! Um, it will take 13 from the halberd, and then 3 from Hunter's Mark, so 16. Please, please describe the death of this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, wait, wait, wait. Are you telling me that my other attacks were overkill? When we get to the end of this, uh, I will tell you where they were at in the negatives. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good. I, I look forward to this. Um, okay, so uh, very similar to the other two, except that Quarry is um, taking a stance and swinging in such a way that they're very careful to avoid hitting Al and understanding that they are in quite close quarters with him. Oh, we're both going to get hit by this thing when it explodes. Would you perhaps have used your halberd more uh, utilizing the spear point at the top of it in more of a stabbing motion? Oh, um... Sure. <laughs> Wait, is, there, Just is like, there like a wall nearby and I could like swing it into the wall away from Alan? No. Halberd does Dang have it. reach. That's true. Uh, Halberd does have reach, but Quarry did decide to engage it close. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sure. All right. I can I can stab it. Uh, in which case the the light. Oh no, I didn't do um, divine smite. So there is no light. So I just 
I just stab it. Clearly just need to climb up onto the table so you just grenade fall on it um, <laughs> when it eventually goes. Yes. Can I say I elbowed Alan out of the way and not like I'm in front of him? No. Uh, so you stab it, skewering it and pushing it a little bit off the table. Mm-hmm. Um, you see it sort of actually looks shocked that you were able to touch it. Mm. And it looks down at where your halberd's uh, spear tip goes through it. And then it sort of, you see the, the steam Uh-oh. pulls in and there's a small little concussive blast. Will you please give me a dexterity saving throw? Uh, Twelve. Alan is not as successful as you, dear. Um, so you will take three uh, fire damage. Okay. And Alan will take six. Mm. How does he look? He looks worse for wear. Okay. But he doesn't look as bad as you might expect. A mm, okay. Completely average individual. Got it. With that, Faileth, it is your turn. There is only the one that has been attacking Jovan very successfully <laughs> left. Faileth is going to turn and look at that one and say, You know, Melian taught me that it's very bad manners to kill people before you find out what their names are. So I'm going to ask what your name is, and then I'm going to kill you. See how polite I'm being? It sort of, like, sticks out a tongue and does the pull under, like, where it, like, pulls its cheek down to show you its eye a bit more. And at the same time, sort of, like, almost looks like it's spanking its butt. I'm going to call you Spanky Spanky raspberry face. How do you like that? And then I'm gonna, you know, attack him with chill touch. It's just, it's laughing <laughs> as you go to attack it. That's only a 14. Does that hit? That, that hits. Hooray! He takes five necrotic damage. It looks like it did not expect you to actually hit it. Um, I and told you I was gonna shocked. kill you. Spanky raspberry face. And with that, it is your turn, Melia. Identifying that thing is like across the room from. It's still it's it's not fully across the room. You'd be able to close the distance with it, um, but it's it's not too far away. I'm just thinking whether or not I want to throw a hand axe rather than. Ah, it's probably at most ten feet away from you. In which case, I'll step over, making sure that my body is still between Faleth and uh, Steam Golem or whatever this is, and then I stab it with my sword with a dirty twenty. That hits. Uh, eight points of slashing damage. So you slash into it, uh, leaving off a little bit of one of its wings, and it it looks at you with disdain and hate in its eyes, and it's actually going to try and attack you in response to this. Awesome. It's sort of what I'm here for. And uh, I don't think an eight hits you, so... Sure doesn't. <laughs> it will... You're rolling great, Cass. I am rolling fantastically for you guys. Um, so it is going to, like, claw at the... Uh, it's going to claw at your bare chest and not get through the hair. <laughs> Just gently combs it. <laughs> it steams it. It's flirting with you, Melian. <laughs> and Melian and that, the steam golem sit tenenity. Jovan, it is your turn. In hindsight, I'm, I'm... Get behind me, man. I'm going to do what I should have been doing before. I'm going to be spending my bonus action to look for a weapon before I go to swing it. Um, so I'm going to have my uh, my hand grab something else from the table. Yep. Oh, oh well, the negative one for next time, because it just went off the back of the desk. Um, just give me half a moment. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we'll see you guys next year. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, uh, so that was a 14. That hits. Oh, no. That, for that. a luck check? <laughs> I mean... <laughs> That table had it coming. Uh, <laughs> uh, what did you say your proficiencies were again? Uh, hand crossbows, nets, uh, quarter staves, and daggers. Uh, 
it brings back a dagger. Which is actually better for me than a quarterstaff. I'll, I'll swap out with the dagger, take a movement action to uh, back in behind uh, the barbarian, and then uh, huck the dagger at it. Okay. Um, Roll to hit. So 14 plus 3, uh, 17. That hits. All right. And d4. Uh, two damage. So uh, you are dealing a death blow. Please describe it. Um, I'm so as sorry, it's... Brian. <laughs> Um, as it's uh, pulling on its eyes and sticking its tongue out at um, Faileth, I'm going to take aim and secure it through the eye, ducking him behind the barbarian as I do so. If it can be pinned to a wall, I don't think it can, but if it does... <laughs> uh, it, it won't be pinned to a wall, uh, so Melian, can I have a dexterity saving throw from you? Indeed. Uh, I have danger sense, which means I get advantage on this. I believe, still. Advantage on dexterity saving throws against effects I can see, such as traps and spells. Oh yeah, sure. Let's go with that. I mean, not that I've needed it so far, but I figured I should stop pushing my luck. Yeah, it's a dirty 20. Yes, you will only take half damage from this. Uh, Which so is good, because will... the low one was 8. <laughs> you will take uh, 3 damage. It was 6, so 3 is half. Nice. Uh, and with that, um, the maniacal laughter dies out and the sound of popping and the bubbling of steam stops. As the steam begins to clear, everyone realizes their hair is a bit more voluminous and sort of bouncy. <laughs> oh, Corey's just suddenly so glad they don't have hair. Uh, and the puddle that was on the floor is gone. Yovin's gonna reach back and gingerly touch his back where he got slashed, and then just, you're telling me there's a pack of those things inside the sword of every guard in this city? <laughs> so... Ooh, that'll be fun. Alan's gonna look at you and go, they, they, they wouldn't survive this. How easy was that sword to break? So he, he sort of hefts his hammer and says, this is a breaker. I specifically have enchanted this to be able to break through things. But if any spellcaster, if, if a spellcaster was utilized, was party to the creation of these, there likely is a spell that they can utter to break the bindings. That is a <sighs> horrifying thought. I'm suddenly a little bit more keen to perhaps uh, go get that sword that you were promising us, but I don't know if we have time. How long? Well, we don't have any idea of when whoever can release these things intends to release them. Perhaps uh, if the council chose to replace all of the weapons, it's hard to say whether or not <clears throat> they were complicit, but we do know at least that Lord Buchanan is someone that we could trust with the information as he opposed the the purchase. Why would a city council booby-trap their own city? For enough money? If they are not here. But isn't the city where they keep all their stuff? Well, if they have enough advance notice, it is certainly possible that they could not be present their things may be removed. How many of these nobles have families, have children? It might not be that being given the carrot, it might be the stick. It's true. We should perhaps ask the Lord Buchanan if there were any threats against his family. Perhaps the reason he lost a son was a warning to the council. Whatever we do, we have to do it quietly. If whoever... If Quint gets word that we've figured out his little secret, what's going to stop him from just unleashing it right then and there? Hopefully the timing of his plot is more delicate than that, but I agree that we should tread most cautiously. Blacksmith, if you tell anyone about this, I will kill you. <laughs> he, he puts his hands up and he's like, I, if there's anything that I can do to help you with this, Glimmer Hollow has become my home. I would not want to see it destroyed. 
Well, I hate to say this, but I suspect that we will need your help in proving what we have to say, for I don't know anyone that would believe me if I said there were strange magical creatures trapped in the swords of the town guard. Yovan's going to cast a long eye at uh, Faileth's sword. What are we doing with that, then? It's mine. Well... Faileth, if I offer to purchase you another nicer sword, will you allow us to break it in the presence of someone in authority to prove our story? Ooh, we get to break it? Yeah, let's do that. (laughs) Also, I do find it interesting that I have never paid such a low price for so many magical creatures. (laughs) Ooh, that's true too. If we wanted to start a menagerie, this might be the place. There's no way it's a coincidence that can't be cheap to see all those things in there. He's selling them at a loss to get them out. Yeah, he just wants everyone to get fucked, I think. Would seem that way. I can't imagine why. Does he want the town? Seems like there'd be easier ways to get to town. Oh, yes. Hmm. Perhaps once the swords have been dispersed is when he will deliver his ultimatum. Ah. What's this got to do with the missing children? I confess myself at a complete loss. There are so many connections between Gwent and the children, and yet I cannot see what these swords have to do with their disappearances. I must admit that I... Because I don't want to sound like a jerk, but... Generating this many elementals can't... Generating this many elementals can't be cheap. How he'd get them. So the children are slaves? Or materials. But they're not dead. That's a chilling thought. Alan's sort of going to look up at you guys and say, truly, if there is... I, I will most certainly help you if there's anything that I can do. Um, if you need me to break a sword or display anything or discuss uh, any matters, I would be quite happy to. Uh, I think you and me need to talk about some armor. Yovan <laughs> <laughs> uh, will say is gingerly touching the, the slashes across his back. Oh, are you hurt, Yovan? I'm uh, not feeling particularly spry. Hold up now. Um, and she will cast Cure Wounds. So she comes and taps you on the head, and you get him you to lean get... down. Yeah, come here, and she pokes <sighs> your forehead, and you get eight points of health back. You're full of tricks, aren't you? Is Thank anyone you. else injured? Alan looks like he has some bumps and scrapes and bruises, uh, but he sort of brushes it off and says, "I can see to myself. You should take stock and make sure that each of you are." I have a bunch of scrapes and burns. Oh, Melian! Uh, she'll cast Cure Wounds on you as well. Quarry will... Can you lay on hands yourself? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, I think so, because you can put your hands together. I will put my hands together in a prayer to soul, and I will give myself ten hit points back, and then I will lay a hand on Alan's shoulder and give him five. Yeah, uh, you can touch a creature, and you are a creature. Yay. That's not nice to talk about a paladin like that. <laughs> just keeps shaking his head. Melian, you get 12 hit points. Ah, thank you. Well, it seems to me that we have learned a great deal today and that perhaps we should formulate a plan of action. I foresee that we will be needing you, Alan, to come with us to Lord Buchanan to tell our crazy story about the weapons. Ooh, she's asking him on a date. (laughs) I see no reason for him to listen to us outsiders as we are, although perhaps Yovan may have some pull that I'm unaware of, but... With the nobles? Mm-hmm. We'll bring the pre- smith. Perhaps a respected merchant such as you could at least 
get him to listen. She thinks he's respecting it. It's adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Quiet, Faleth. I will do whatever I can to help you. Uh, yes. But I think whatever you choose, think about it and rest on it overnight. Likely if you are to go to the Lord Buchanan, we'll, we should ensure that we have a situation that can, we can handle expertly without any possibility of harm coming to him and perhaps collect more information as he will have many questions. Do you think perhaps a smaller weapon such as a dagger would pose less of a... I have no idea how you would pack so many magical creatures into a short sword, but hopefully size does play a factor here. If we destroyed a dagger in his presence instead of a short sword, maybe there would be fewer of these creatures? It is entirely possible. Um, hmm. And with that, he's actually going to like start looking around for the sword, mm-hmm. and you'll note that the handle is on the table, but the blade itself is gone. Oh, weird. That's ominous. I should rest up, and you should too. Let me know when you want to approach the Lord Buchanan, and I will do what I can to help you at that time. Thank you, Alan. We certainly appreciate that. And as I said, I extended this offer to... Uh, both Quarry and Yovan, but I am always looking for individuals that can help obtain and procure various objects, and in return I can certainly turn my mind towards uh, creating objects that may be suitable for each of you instead. Sorry, buddy, we're on a quest. We are not your errand boy. He sort of puts his hands up like, yes, yes. Quarry just shrugs and says... As you know, I seek a very specific weapon for myself, and such things are not easy to come by, so favor for a favor to me does not seem out of the question. But, Quarry, we're on a quest! Poor Alan. He's just trying to be nice, and I'm like, hey, you. (laughs) You are absolutely right, Faelith. We can make sure you get We're on a quest, and I would like to survive that quest. So maybe some armory wouldn't go. We'll make sure you get time alone with Alan later, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need to do chores for him. (laughs) He reaches into his vest and pulls out like a pad of paper uh, or parchment uh, and he jots uh, a couple things down on it and hands it to you and says, you've helped me today, so if you can find these and perhaps a few other things to help with the, help along, uh, I'll see what I can do about creating you a weapon worthy of soul. Uh, I'll take the, the paper and give uh, a small bow and say, thank you, I appreciate it. Hey, Melian. Yes, Bill. Did we help him or did we put him in mortal danger? A little bit of column A, perhaps a little bit of column B. <laughs> Perhaps we should return to the house. As you say, Pelican. Yeah, no arguments for me. As long as the dogs are there. Melian has the Melian has the, the the wherewithal to look a little hurt. Like, oh, it's just the dogs, huh? <laughs> I mean, oh, I don't heck. need to go back to the house to see you, Melian. You're right here. <laughs> so sweet. Uh, Quarry will say to Alan, thank you for your assistance today. We'll likely be in touch with you tomorrow. Yeah, you will. <laughs> Faileth, you're ruining it. He will just shake his head. I'm making it better. And sort of like push you guys out of his back room and then he'll unbolt the door and push you guys out the front door and closes and he shuts his shop down for the night. And with that, uh, you return to the house on Sapphire Lane. And we you go head outside. upstairs. 
What? Well, just He's really just making us go upstairs to this house now. <laughs> I just wanted to clarify that we were definitely ending the episode inside because we have definitely also done a thing where we've had large conversations outside because nobody was like, and we went into the house. And you head upstairs. Uh, <laughs> Melian and Thaleth, you share a room that is facing out over the street, and Yovin start heading towards your master bedroom, and you note that there is another door that wasn't there previously. Opening it, it reveals another bedroom with a much larger bed than any of the others. He'll uh, just tiredly do some mental arithmetic in his head, shake it, and gash into the door. And that's uh, your room on the house. Chuckle himself and head into his own. <laughs> Thank you. And with that, uh, we don't want to hear about you... my room. <laughs> it, it has a bigger bed we heard about your room it has a bigger bed and we all go to sleep do i get a window it has a bigger bed uh there are no windows uh facing out uh but there is a uh, there is a skylight above. we're on the second floor on a three-story building uh-huh uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> which is which is funny because when you said there isn't a, a window facing out, all I could picture was that there was a window from her room, from their room, into our room, so she could just look at us while we slept. Like, <laughs> oh, creepy! <laughs> oh, it'd be like a slumber but, but, party all the time. Yep. Yeah, but it wasn't on our side, so like only <laughs> only Corey Corey could see through. Anyway, that was my the first immediate thought. So I'm obviously <laughs> damaged in some fundamental way. <laughs> There's a skylight above, and the bed is much bigger than the others. Nice. Uh, there are two beds in the room that uh, Melian and Faileth are sharing. Uh, and, all of you, <laughs> and all of you uh, go to sleep for the night. Please take a long rest. We'll just start next <laughs> session in me. the morning. Thank you. Awesome. All right. Thank you for running that, Cass. That was awesome. I am absolutely terrified about all of the creepy things in the swords that are all throughout the town. Yeah, that does complicate things somewhat. Yeah, it's um, alarming. Whole bundles of arrows with little metal heads. It's Oof. terrible. Yeah, and boxes of these identical swords. It'll be interesting. I, just, I don't see how the children tie in. Well, I figure, like, you, you don't just go down to the Walmart to pick up your... Uh, several hundred um, elementals to stuff into the swords. Yeah? Mm. I, I figure that's the tie-in, is summoning these things has to come something to do with it. Oh, uh, do you think that he's, like, trading the children for either for the weapons or for the, the creatures to put into the weapons? Yeah, uh, some sort of, like, deal or maybe just, like, fueling the ritual that allows him to create them in, in the first place or something. But Faleth doesn't think they're dead. Well, what was the name of the elemental? Crawfoot? Yeah. Doesn't sound yep. like a kid's name. Oh, you think I they mean, turn the I kids that... into them? Oh. Ooh, what a horrible idea. I hope that many haven't gone missing. The other thing is that it wasn't that they weren't dead. It's that they couldn't find the ghost. And mm, notably... Yeah. Um, so they, they might be dead and have had their spirits stolen or entrapped into something. Because the I kid's was... dad also doesn't have a ghost when he's supposed to. So either he's alive or they're trapping spirits and stuff so that they can't... <sighs> Specifically, I was really waiting for um, Faileth to chip up when I said that, oh, you manifested your ghost in the house, our mother's ghost in the house to be... Uh, no, no, the mother's ghost didn't manifest. She just possessed the skull. Because um, mm -hmm. that would be an important distinction. Which but, would not occur to her. 
Yeah. Yeah, no. which totally wouldn't have occurred to Phelan. No, would never have crossed my mind. But is exactly what happened. Yeah, but yeah. That, the, there's no distinction for Phelan. And I'm wondering how Corey is reacting since multiple times now she's, her mother has been mentioned in conjunction with manifesting and weird stuff and Corey still hasn't met her. <laughs> I think Quarry is slowly coming to the realization that your mother yeah. is uh, no longer with us in the mm. conventional sense. And then she has to think about what that means when she walked away from that seven-year-old all those years ago. Yeah, I think... I mean, Quarry is not really the type to look that guiltily backward it's more of a okay i learned something and i will apply that in the future mm -hmm. if only i could be more like quarry thank you for listening to roll with adventure where we bring you this story from our imagination to your ears if you liked what you heard, please rate us on Apple Podcast and visit us at www.rollwithadventure.com. Our intro and outro music is Brave by Arcane Anthems. Thanks for the components of this episode's soundscapes. Go to zapsplat.com, Arcane Anthems, and Purple Planet Music. Full credits are in the episode description. We hope you've enjoyed listening. Bye! I think I could hear someone chewing. Oh, it's me. But I'll fix it later. <laughs> okay. Sorry. Fine. Just funny. Actually, I want to test something. So I'm gonna... When we lost our audio, I had muted myself to eat. But if I mute myself now, which I'm gonna do in a second, can you still hear each other? So I'm muting now. And blah, I'm talking. See, I didn't lose sound. I, like, got straight up kicked out of the thing. Oh, okay. And then I had to, like, log back in. Okay. Then I will mute myself and eat my tart and... I was worried that, like, there was some weird connection and that I had kicked your audio out, but... No, I got kicked out of the whole feed feed. Okay. I'm sorry that happened. I don't think it was your fault. I do. How dare you? Comes the baby squarely at Ellie's feet. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. Sure.